The joy is palpable here in this place where God's love shines and God's love is made known. This place where people gather from around the country, where college students are home, where um, friends that we've known for 40 years are sitting alongside us, and where um, people who are new to this church feel warm and welcome here in this place. So with um, that light and joy on your heart, uh, listen to this familiar passage from Scripture about the Magi who come from the East on this Epiphany Sunday. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the East came to Jerusalem asking, Where is this child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where this Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when this star had appeared. And Herod sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child, and when you have found him, come back with word to me so that I may go and pay him homage. And so the wise men heard the king, and they set out. And there ahead of them went that star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they stopped and they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take this child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for this child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Everyone had long since gone to bed, but being at what you might call a hippie summer camp with what I now see as a limited understanding of rules for children, no one hollered at us to get in our tents. And maybe they didn't notice that we were still awake, or they had a hunch that maybe we knew enough about fire safety not to burn down the whole woods. So my best friend and I stayed up all night adding logs to the campfire, and when the logs all burned down, we found small branches, and then once everything was gone within a short distance of our campground, we burned even the smallest twigs to keep the fire going. And We did this for no reason other than that we could. No one told us not to. And so, despite the absurdity of it, we carried on. It was very early in the summer when the nights are short and the days are long, so our fire grew smaller and smaller, and we were almost about to resolve our 
resign ourselves to our tents when suddenly the sun began to rise. At first, the dawn light was like a fog rolling up the hill, turning the black night beyond our campfire into a dull gray forest. But then suddenly, the sun came up over the horizon and was ablaze with orange, that same bright color as our overnight campfire flame. John Steinbeck describes this sunrise a little more poetically. The stars still shone and the day had drawn only a pale wash of light in the lower east sky. The roosters had been crowing for some time now. Little birds chittered and flurried their wings and dawn came quickly. Now a wash, a glow, a lightness, and then an explosion of fire as the sun arose. And he says it was a morning like other mornings and yet perfect among mornings. It's been a long time since I intentionally set out to watch the sunrise, and as Joe Forrest can attest, I did go out this morning to watch the sunrise. It happens every day, but somehow this actual work of paying attention to the sunrise seems to pass me by. And I'm sure that's true of our spiritual lives also, right? That actual work of paying attention to the daily wonders of God's love seem more often than not to pass us by. We are now in the sunrise of the Christian story. The season of Epiphany is that dawning of Christ's light in the world. The season of Advent that we just went through in December is a season of waiting, a time when we tend the fire, and some days it seems like maybe the flame might go out. But then on Christmas Eve, we finally find just enough kindling to light our candles against the darkness, humming silent night together in this holy place and awaiting the mystery of God in the manger. And then today, on this 12th day of Christmas, when actually our Orthodox friends are around the world are now just celebrating Christmas Eve, the sun rises over the horizon and all the world, symbolized by these beloved wise men, know the dawning of the new light. The Magi welcome us to the sunrise of the Christian story. This word epiphany comes from the Greek, epi meaning on or upon, and phino meaning to cause to appear or to be light or to show or uncover or reveal or disclose or shine. Maybe you imagine a light bulb going off over your head when you have an epiphany, that divine aha that sparks something new in you. Epiphany is a sunrise kind of word where light comes in over the horizon, making a pathway for the day to begin. Epiphany is a season of revelation, watching for God's presence to be revealed in a world-transforming way in Jesus Christ. In the novel, A River Runs Through It, the author writes, at sunrise, everything is luminous but not clear. Luminous but not clear. That's where we are in our faith story. Light is just beginning to shine, yet the whole story of God's revelation in Jesus Christ is not quite yet apparent. Every year in Santa Rosa, California, I know a group of people who meet for an Epiphany sunrise walk, and so I wonder how it went this morning. Surely at least the sun came up, right? 
When they were interviewed a couple years ago in the newspaper, the organizer said that when you walk and feel the earth beneath, our, beneath your feet, when you watch the sunrise, watch that blanket of darkness slip from the earth, you realize what a speck you are in the universe. She says that's freeing and humbling at the same time. This sunrise brings a brand new day, a day that has never been before and will never be again. In itself, it is a gift. There's something compelling about this idea, watching the sunrise, watching the sun break forth on this day when we celebrate breaking forth of God's light to all the world. And that's what's at the core of Epiphany, right? These foreigners, these outsiders, these wise wanderers, these learned stargazers from far away come to meet and kneel before the light of the world, the one whose light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. There's something about an Epiphany sunrise walk that might give us a metaphorical way to enter into the new year, as if in this world full of distractions and full calendars, we need that contemplative time to watch the sunrise and push us towards noticing God in all things new. When I was 15... I flew alone for the first time, traveling from Indianapolis to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to visit a boyfriend whose cross-country move had devastated us. I missed him the way any love-struck teenager would, and at the time, it was still 15 cents a minute to talk long distance. I can still picture my dad handing over the phone bill to me. So it was cheaper, I learned, to hop on an airplane than to spend the weekend on the phone. Still, I had never flown alone before, and I was assigned that seat in the emergency exit where the stewardess came up and asked if I was prepared to perform the duties listed on this instruction card if there was, in fact, an emergency. You had to be 15 to sit there, so I checked that box, but just barely. And talking about emergencies on an airplane sure does put you in touch with your own mortality quite quickly. All the commotion regarding the emergency exit cued the woman sitting next to me that I was young and traveling alone, and so she took me under her wing the way any of you would have done. I had a layover, same as she did, and we even ate lunch together. At some point over lunch, our conversation turned towards religion, and I remember nothing of what she said, but I can remember this back-of-the-napkin sketch that she made of the cross. I'm not even certain what she said about the cross, but it feels as if she must have said something profound because it's stuck with me all these years. In fact, when Bill Evertsburg talks about the cross as that vertical and horizontal way to understand God, I think of her and that back of the napkin sketch. Maybe she walked me to my gate, maybe not. I don't know her name. I remember very little about her physical appearance. She was a white woman with maybe blonde hair. She was an interloper, a magi from some other place, carrying with her three gifts of safety, accompaniment, and wisdom. The star that guided her to give these gifts to me that mother hen intuition of knowing the dangers of traveling alone as a young woman. And she left as quickly as she arrived. I knew her for maybe three hours. But she remains 
an unnamed person in my life story. Yet there she is, traveling alongside me. Maybe you have these people in your life too. Magi who gave you the gift you needed, the gift that carried you on your way. Unnamed people who shifted your life three degrees toward that future that you now know as your life's path. Or maybe you were that person, and maybe you don't even know it. You are the person who carried those gifts for someone else and are the unnamed stranger in their life story. That's the Magi's tale. That is the wise men's story. These unnamed wise foreigners, travelers, interlopers. Jesus knew them for, what, maybe three hours, and yet there they are, part of his life story, traveling alongside him. Without the Magi, the birth of Jesus would be quite unremarkable. But the Gospel writer, Matthew, is trying to cue us in here that this birth has the potential to change the whole world. In the ancient Near East, it's virtually inconceivable for any important person to be born without a stellar harbinger. If Jesus is anyone, then there would have been a star attending his birth. Matthew's trying to tell us that the world will not remain the same. Something is happening here. Watch and see the light unfold. The whole world is attuned to this sunrise moment. Even people from the farthest far east are coming to see it. And the powers that be don't notice at all. Herod himself and his trusted advisors, priests and scribes, they don't notice until the Magi come. But then, once they do see it, Herod doesn't feel that admiration that we might hope. Instead, he is terrified. Herod feels the power of it, this world-changing king, and is frightened. The stability of his leadership, his standing as king himself, is threatened by the birth of this king of the Jews. So, as Matthew tells us, Herod sets out to stop it all. Jesus' life is threatened even before he's able to speak one word of truth to any of us. My seminary roommate worked in Tucson, Arizona before she moved to Chicago with me where we lived together for three years. She was working for this little church there in Tucson and she, she took me there once. The whole sanctuary could fit in inside hours, round and welcoming with room for a few dozen people to sit in concentric circles around the central pulpit. And she told many stories of her time there in Tucson, but two of them have stuck with me. One was of a man who slept on a mat in her office for weeks on end. After the 88-mile journey through the borderland desert with very little water and poor shoes, his feet were blistered and he was weak and ill from the sun and every measure of trauma from that desperate hike through unsafe terrain. He looked much older than he was, but he was maybe in his early 20s at most. And he had nowhere else to go and was escaping from unthinkable nightmares in his home country. So he slept there in her office on a mat, content to be safe and sheltered until the church could help him find his way. The other story is of a woman who slept months later on that same mat nursing her baby. 
after just having visited my brother and his wife and their week-old baby, I'm reminded of how vulnerable those early days can be, raw and exhausting. And this woman who slept on my friend's office floor had lived through those raw and vulnerable days while crossing the desert, dreaming of safety and a future of hope. When I think of Mary and Joseph and their newborn baby, whose life was under such threat at such an early age, that they too, Mary and Joseph, must seek shelter in a foreign land, I think of that man's raw healing feet and the nursing woman's courage crossing the desert. And I wonder, too, what the gifts of the Magi meant to them in those days of escape when Herod sought to kill them. Was it the gold brought by the Magi who made it possible even for them to begin to dodge the authorities on their way? Was it the gold that allowed them to stay hidden in Egypt until the threat was not quite gone, but at least diminished? I wonder. This epiphany story is a Kenilworth Union story. It's our story. It's one of enough theological diversity and enough sparkle and wonder and metaphor and symbolism to invite all of us to the table for our own reasons. God is found in nature, those following yonder star, and God is revealed in ancient scriptures in holy places in Jerusalem, and God is revealed to outsiders, and God is revealed on a long, hard journey, and God is revealed in the realities of everyday life, and God is revealed in gifts given at a critical juncture. In this sunrise story of God's light dawning, God's epiphany, God's breaking forth into the world, this is not a perfect world, an idealized world, a fictional fairyland or Disney tale where all is well. It is a place where light is called forth because there is darkness and threat of violence and undue suffering and trouble and illness and power struggles and all the things that make our lives hard. And in all those things, some hope or some love or some transformation or some possibility arises with the dawn. Magi bear gifts and depart as suddenly as they arrive, and yet Jesus is sheltered and safe and revealed and made known for all the world, for all of us and for each of us in human vulnerability, so as to remind us that God can indeed meet us where we are. May the God of sunrise meet you in all life brings in this season of epiphany. Amen.